The chant is drill, baby, drill. He had such enormous fun that he called for another elephant to come. It's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. Secretary Clinton. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Stay out the bushes. Jeff is a mess. Welcome to a Sunday, August 28th episode do i make max listen to the theme song every time before we record yes i do yes yes she does it counts us in counts (laughs) us in for a full minute and seven seconds max loves that one mississippi two mississippi (laughs) it's like becoming the 99 bottles of beer on the wall song it's always gonna be great all right all right what are you kicking us off with gosh i'm just i'm just i'm just looking at the computer right now my computer and it's just it's it's just what we're blanketed with here in arizona right now which is just ads where blake masters they're just using blake masters words against him and it's um a very effective advertising campaign when you have someone being like we want i want to get rid of social security and then you cut to two retirees who are like i've been paying into social security since i was 13 years old what would i do um so that's what's going on here. He's he scrubbed his website of all of his abortion stance. Why? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's good times down here in a uh, in a purple state in a in a year where Mark Kelly is supposed to be the one on his heels. We instead uh, we instead were the ones we're on our heels. Um, and uh, but but that's neither here nor there. As we've been saying, we'll focus on this stuff as we get past Labor Day and uh, as Plus, people start no to pay attention. attention. Exactly. No one's paying attention. Um, but gosh, the ads are just everywhere. It's just constant. Mark Kelly, Mark Kelly has just so much money. Um, and he's just un- unloading it on, on Blake Masters. Um, you know, but, but luckily for America, somewhere Joe Biden went out back in, at the White House and found a money tree scrounged up a trillion dollars for the uh the student debt forgiveness plan uh that uh that we spoke about on the last episode and we've been warning warning everyone about for the for the past couple of months of this is what was coming down it's an election year it's a gigantic payoff and you know if if you're wondering where we are on the journey to just full societal collapse banana republic we're at the place where we have a president who's just openly paying people for their votes now. That's where we're at. He's directing he's directing treasury funds to people in exchange for votes. So, in case you're wondering where we are, uh, if you if you're looking for a reason to be uh, to 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 be optimistic, um, well, let's not look at this program. But uh, <laughs> but but as 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 we are one to do here. Uh, we, we, we need to find the sunny side uh, of this. We need to find the humorous angle. And gosh, 
thank, thank goodness for Vice President Kamala Harris. And this is, this is great. So the assumption that everyone seems to be operating off of is that the student loan debt is not going to be super popular with people who were never going to vote for Joe Biden anyways. And so who cares? It's just a big giveaway to his constituency. Um, and, uh, but as a little bit of insulation, or I guess I'm not really sure what the, what, what, what the, what the thinking is here immediately the day after, uh, the Thursday, when this came out, the, the, the plan was announced by Joe Biden on Friday, the New York times reports, this was Kamala's idea. Oh, she's the one that's been pushing this. Joe Biden was warned by the treasury secretary and his wife, Dr. Jill not to cancel student debt, but pressed ahead anyways, regardless on the urging of Kamala Harris. Uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen argued that with inflation around 40-year high, the cancellation of student loans could free up consumer spending and drive inflation higher. Jill Biden did not want to, did not want to push for cancellation of debt. She wanted free community college, um, but did not push for the cancellation of debt. Um, the, the, the president ultimately decided to ignore their advice and uh, went with Vice President Kamala Harris's advice, who was in favor of the uh, the loan cancellations. Uh, the polling, their internal polling showed that Americans are split on the issue. Like I said, their base liked it, us, we didn't. Um, and that this could be, the other thinking was that this could be a way to get young people a little bit more excited. You know, they want to, the, the way that they're attacking the youth of America is that the Republicans are going to take away your right to uh, to kill your children and uh, we're gonna we're gonna give you free money. I don't understand really why they're backpedaling on this. Haven't they been running on killing student loan debt for years? And isn't this one of their broken promises? They have, and I'm still not. I still don't understand how this is legal. I still don't understand how, what 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 what's going on here is legal. Um, you know, this is this is the great thing. So so President Biden says that the this the studies that he looks at trusts on budgetary matters more than anywhere are Penn Wharton. University of Penn, Wharton School of Business. Um, um, and uh, they said this is going to cost a trillion dollars. Trillion, trillion smackers. Trillion smackers uh, o- over the next 10 years. And that 70% of the debt relief uh, would be to borrowers in the top 60% of the income distribution. Uh, and that was... Uh, uh, the opposite of of what was argued in support of the plan that this was going to help people at the 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 bottom end which is which is what which was farcical farcical to begin with because the whole the whole point why people push the idea of a four-year college education on everyone whether it's right or wrong for that person but but generally speaking when you map out people's income and their level of education being a college graduate is associated with higher with higher income, right? And when you set, like we said, and when you set this at two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of income annually, that's way beyond the lower class or even middle class. You know, you are getting you are getting into well into the upper middle class of the country. The top one percent of wage earners in this country, it's around, it's a little shy of four hundred thousand dollars. It's a little shy of four hundred. So we're talking 250. We're talking about at minimum the top 10% of wage earners in this country. Inside the top 10% of wage earn, wage earning households in this country are getting relief when 
they don't need it. Sorry, you don't need it. You don't need it. You don't need it at that income level. You don't. You don't. And as we've been saying, we've yet to see a college advertise that you'll have better job prospects for less money than the other place. And all of this, all the student loan debt forgiveness plan is going to do is make this problem worse. It's make this problem worse. Um, but I cannot get over the fact that the immediate thing they did, just in case, as soon as they saw a little bit of pushback right away, was throw out the human meat shield Vice Kamala Harris. Just, it was her idea. She did it. She did it. Over like, there. Right? It's Put like, her. it's Michael Scott with the, uh, with the um, Willy Wonka in the office. If you haven't seen this particular episode of The Office or have never seen The Office... Oof. If you haven't seen The Office, please turn us off right. and go watch it. Anyways, yeah. But anyways, there's an episode of The Office where the boss, Michael Scott, uh, takes uh, an, uh, the golden ticket idea from Willy Wonka. <laughs> and he goes into... It's a scene where he dresses up as Willy Wonka and he goes into the warehouse and he slips these golden tickets into a bunch of boxes that are being sent out as shipments to customers that day. Well, he didn't check with anyone um, in the shipping department in the warehouse. Nope. And so the golden, t- he gave, uh, it was 10% off if you found a golden ticket of, of your entire order. Well, the entire, uh, so all five tickets ended up going to their largest client. And uh, at first, there was this whole panic, like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be fired. I'm going to be fired. And he immediately points the finger at his number two, Dwight. He immediately points the finger at his underling. It turns out the client was so impressed by it that the client decided to give all of their business universally to the comp- to Michael Scott's company, Dunder Mifflin. And so the company wants to reward him for it. So they end up trying to reward Dwight. Instead of Michael, even though it was Michael's idea, because Michael was too much of a coward to stand behind his own idea. <laughs> this is what he's doing. Joe Biden yep. is like trying to Michael Scott this, these golden ticket idea, and he's pointing at Kamala Harris going, hey, wait a second, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a little bit of pushback here. Uh, no, no, no. We, we all thought, Dr. Jill thought this was a bad idea. Janet, Janet, Treasury said she's like this is not a good idea but Kamala said it was a good idea I went with her you know she hasn't been she felt like we haven't been listening to her so we went with this idea what do you think folks what do you think of a trillion dollar giveaway to people making $250,000 a year huh huh paid for paid for by blue collar people who may not be benefiting from this. Yeah. You, you do not... This, see, so if, this it's, is, if this, it's seen as a success, then is he going to pull it back and be like, oh, just kidding, she didn't have anything to do with that. Right? I can't wait. Be like, oh, yeah, no, this is my idea. This is my idea. I campaigned on it. I campaigned on it. But immediately, as soon as there was that a little pushback right away, the Washington Post comes out against the idea. You know, Senate candidate, Tim, the Democrat Senate candidate in Ohio... Uh, Tim Ryan comes out against the idea. You know, all the moderate Democrats, Chris Pappas, New Hampshire One came out against it. All these moderate Democrats come out against it and immediately puts the finger of Vice President Harris, like Michael Scott in the in the Willy Wonka episode of The Office. Um, so, but anyways, I don't think there's anything. If you're a Democrat, I don't understand why you need to fear anything because guess what? People love free money. Love it. People love free money. 
People love free money. There's There are more people who receive money from the government than there are taxpayers, right? We already have that imbalance in this country. That imbalance exists, right? So we already have a majority of the country can vote themselves other people's money. Realizing this, now the Democrat Party has just decided that they are going to offer money in exchange for votes. Perfect. That's where we are. In case you're wondering, in case you're wondering whether this midterm is important or not, here you are. This is this is why this is so important. This is why primaries are important, folks. Because you want to know what the polling shows. Shockingly, yes, people like free money. Thirty-five people think it's the right amount. Thirty percent think it's not enough. So two thirds, sixty-five percent, two thirds of people say it's either the right amount or not enough. Great. There you go. There you go. Great. Awesome. But you want to know what you want to know? Thank goodness. Thank goodness. The only thing that Democrats can do is use free money as their policy because people hate everything else they want to do. And for good reason, because Democrats are insane. None of their policies make sense. I love this story. I do, do we chat about the California version of this on Thursday? Did we mention it? Uh, I don't. We didn't talk about student loan debt at Not all. Not student loan debt. I'm talking about the new, the the new hotness in blue states. The new hotness. The getting rid of gas-powered cars. Oh yes. We're banning them. We're banning them. California was the first to start. Well, don't you worry. Don't you worry. The People's Republic of Massachusetts, right behind. You know, it used to just be called the People's. We used to just call Cambridge the People's Republic of Cambridge. Mm-hmm. It's just the People's Republic of Massachusetts at this point. This is this is great. The state of California has taken a major step towards phasing out gas-powered vehicles, and Massachusetts is following suit. By 2035, all new cars sold in the state must run on electric or hydrogen power after Governor Baker signed a climate law earlier this month. The law includes a trigger. Can they use that trigger? Isn't that triggering? That's gun terminology. That's gun terminology. (laughs) NBC 10 Boston, clean up your act. I'm sorry, I should have had a warning there. A warning, gun terminology is about to be used in the, uh, in the following paragraph being read out loud. The law includes a trigger, according to experts, that says once California decided to implement zero emission vehicles, Massachusetts must do the same. Since California made that decision Thursday, regulators here must now begin to work on the details and put auto dealers along with the public on notice that the change will be coming. Do they mention anything about gas stations needing to be taken out of the state as well? Have to get rid of gas stations? Yeah, like is it, or are the gas stations allowed to stay? Well, I, it's a, it doesn't say that you're not allowed to own one. You just can't buy one in the state of Massachusetts. Right, because so that's my question. Is yeah. Because if they keep the gas stations, then people will be like, all right, I'm going to go next door to the neighboring Precisely. state and buy it. Which you didn't, before you weren't supposed to do because then you would still have to pay sales tax in like the state you live in. So it was like, if you tried to go to a state, like if you tried to go to New Hampshire where they don't have tax, Massachusetts would get after you and try and make you pay their tax. I'm like 99% sure of this. So that was really my question. 
because if they get rid of the gas stations, then you really can't have a gas-powered car in Massachusetts, even if you go somewhere else to buy it. I don't see anything where here where it says it's going to ban um, gas stations. Okay. Um, I don't see anything for that. Uh, it only applies to the sale of new vehicles. The goal is to significantly reduce greenhouse gas emissions and increase the number of electric vehicles on roadways. Experts say that while this rule is 13 years away, they hope it encourages change sooner. Um, yeah, one person puts a very good point. The power grid can't handle electric cars of that magnitude. That's that probably 100% true. Um, the other idea is where you're going to get this power from all of a sudden. Um, but, but, but... <laughs> No, it's just, it's, the, the only thing that I could be thinking of is that this law was written by auto dealer owners in New Hampshire. <laughs> like, if I, if I owned a car dealership in New Hampshire, this is the bill I would write. Because people go across the border, and now I'm a native of New Hampshire. Mahalo. Mahalo, I'm a native. <laughs> this is my Mahalo rewards card. <laughs> No one will get that joke. <laughs> and we, we and, and, and a little bit of a little bit of somewhat recent history, about 13, 14 years ago, there was a bill that was passed in Massachusetts that increased the alcohol tax. So what did people do before this tax went into effect? Well, they streamed into New Hampshire and stocked up on wine and whatnot. So what did the Boston Herald do? Send a couple of photographers to the liquor stores that are right on the border of Massachusetts and New Hampshire. And what they do, they just took pictures of Democrat lawmakers all day going, going and taking their money, taking their money that's from the taxpayers of Massachusetts, which pay their salaries, and bringing it across the border and, and uh, helping out the good old economy of, of the great state of New Hampshire. Right? And this is, this is it's cigarettes, it's liquor, it's fireworks, and now it's going to be automobiles. You want to know why the economy of New Hampshire is going to thrive in perpetuity? Because Massachusetts is just going to ban everything, but there's, there's 7 million people in the state. They're going to go somewhere to buy this stuff. And the more you tell people this idea, we, all, we always use prohibition as this example of, of the example of you can't tell people not to do something and are immediately just not going to do it, right? Oh, liquor's banned. Oh, yeah, no one's going to drink anymore, right? No one's going to try to get around that law, right? Oh, we're going to be on the sale of, of gas-powered cars. Do you know how easy it is? Do you know how easy it is to drive across the border of a state? You know, you know how easy this is because you've probably done it. Because you would not recognize all you see is a sign. That's it. That's it. There's literally no barrier preventing anyone traveling from one state to another in, in, in the 48 states in the contiguous 48. There's nothing preventing someone from Massachusetts driving across the border from New Hampshire and buying a gas-powered car if they want to. They're just trying to make it more difficult. My question is, why didn't they just straight up be like, it's illegal to own one here? Like, you can't, register, you can't yeah. register one here. Because... That would be too dramatic. It would be too dramatic. It would be too dramatic because businesses are going to go after it because they, because you want it, you you want to know what the industry that's that's not going to be going all electric by twenty thirty five, construction industry. I was going to say everything that uses a car. Construction <laughs> industry, agriculture, trucking, that's not going away. 
that's not going to go away anytime soon. And the state of Massachusetts knows that. And the state of, and the state of California knows that. And the state of California knows that too, by the way. Um, but I just get an absolute kick out of this. Like this is like, all it is is hurting your local economy. It's all you're doing. That's all you're doing. And you're giving, and you're giving more money to the evil, evil Republican billionaire, Elon Musk, which I love. It's great. Fantastic. Thank you, Democrats. You're really wonderful people. This is the next headline in our document. We have a show prep document. We kind of just go down and we write notes, write questions, things we want to chat about in this. And this is the note next to this one. Is the FBI trying to be the least credible organization in America? <laughs> that would be impressive because there are quite a few. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's like start start with all of our institutions that we once held dear and and look back on with, with nostalgia, which we got to talk about nostalgia in a second when it comes to Flint, Michigan. But yes. anyways, Mark Zuckerberg was on Joe Rogan's podcast this week. Um, I don't listen to Joe Rogan, um, but he's very popular. And um, uh, I went to the same high school as Mark Zuckerberg did. And um, I can tell you he's certainly not as popular as Joe Rogan. <laughs> but anyways, uh, Mark Zuckerberg... Uh, said on the Joe Rogan podcast, essentially, that the FBI came to them before the 2020 election and said, hey, look, there's this Hunter Biden laptop story going around. You, uh, this is, this could, could be Russian misinformation. So Zuckerberg said, he said, hey, look, you know, we, we were different than Twitter. Twitter just outright banned the story. You couldn't, he's like, well, we're not as bad as Twitter. So he's like, we're not, we're not going to outright ban. He's like, what we did is just, we kind of just throttled it down. We didn't allow it to reach, you know, like the top of the news feeds. We just kind of, we just depressed it a little bit. And he's like, you know, was that better than what Twitter did? Yeah, maybe. He's like, but you know, we, we, we erred on the side of caution on this one. And he's like, and this is where he's like, and he admitted, I'll give Zuckerberg credit. If you don't look at the interview, he does admit, he's, he's like, this is where it, it gets tricky. This is where it gets tricky because we legitimately do not know in this situation what's true and what's not. Because what are, what, when you think about it, how the heck could someone, how a, a criminal like Hunter Biden, how could he be so sloppy? Like who just leaves their hard drives out? Who like just leaves their hard drive, just, just allows with all of this sensitive information that he has on there, just, just, just leaves, just forgets it at a computer store. Like, what are the odds of that happening? They're very slim, right? So immediately when you hear this, you immediately think, the, the immediate skepticism is, well, like what's, what's, like, what's really going on here? And it turns out it's all true. It's 100% true. Hunter Biden is the worst person. Joe Biden has enabled the entire thing. Like, the, like Joe Biden has enabled all of Hunter Biden's life. And, it, and, and Republicans need to take back the House, and they are just going to blow this wide open. They're going to open up the floodgates on Joe and Hunter Biden and, what, and Joe, Joe protecting Hunter for all of these years. And, um, but I'll give credit to Zuckerberg where he was like, look, it turned out that, yeah, guess what? It was true. It was true. And we can't go back and change that. He's like, the only thing that we can do is in the future err on the side of, you know, try to err on the side of letting the story just play out naturally and not try oh, to intervene. Oh, you mean like stop being the police of the internet? Exactly, exactly. You know, do our best. Like if something is obviously not true, you know, like when Obamacare, like here's an example of misinformation. If you like your doctor, you can keep them. 
That's a lie. That was a lie told by the president of the United States. Right? Yeah. That's misinformation. He should his Twitter account should should have been disabled. He shouldn't have been he should have been kicked off of Facebook and Twitter for publishing misinformation. Right? Um, you know, another case, you know, so so they learned from that that maybe you gotta throttle this stuff down if it might be misinformation, but then it turns out to be true. So what do we do now? You know, how do we combat Democrats lying and Republicans telling the truth? <laughs> but of course there's no recourse right like and they well, may that's have the thing yeah there's no recourse and there's no way to go back and replay it all and you know would it have who, who knows who knows who knows who knows but one thing i do know and i really hate to tell this to everyone what's that if republicans win the midterms the country could lose the right to vote in less than three months Okay, tell me more. <laughs> no, that's just it. Uh, it. This isn't supported by anything. This is the uh, so. How, I mean, how do they get to that? How do they get to that conclusion. Col Colorado Secretary of State Jenna Griswold. What we can expect from the extreme Republicans running across this country is to undermine free and fair elections for the American people, strip Americans of the right to vote, refuse to address security breaches, and unfortunately be beholden to Mar-a-Lago than the American people. The country could lose the right to vote in less than three months. Um, there's, there's no evidence of this, but I just wanted to let you know. Oh, it's just, uh, what's the right word? Her, her problem? This is misinformation. <laughs> this is what we would call blatant misinformation, and she should lose her. She should not be allowed to. She should not be allowed to promote this kind of misinformation. There's. Yeah. It's this. I can't pronounce it. Um. You know that word. Hi. Per. Why are you being weird? Ball. Have you never seen this word before? Hyperbole. Yeah. Yeah. It's hyperbole. <laughs> it is. But this is the kind of thing. Why? How does this help? How is this helpful in discourse? How is this helpful in discourse? That's not. It's not. It's not helpful. It's blatant That's misinformation. It's, it's a complete lie. You're now mispronouncing the word because I screwed around and started mispronouncing the word. This is going to be fantastic the rest of the night. <laughs> oh, I cannot wait for, to play on this. Um, oh, man. <laughs> um, but this is the kind of stuff they should be shutting down. It's the kind of stuff that does, doesn't benefit anyone. It's just complete lie, but they're never going to shut it down because it's a liberal foaming at the mouth. Just tired Democrats at this point. All right. All right. We got to talk about this Flint thing. Yes. This old documentary on Netflix. It's like four years old. Is it really four yeah. years old? Yeah. Wow, we really are behind the We're times. behind it. <laughs> Um, yes. Yeah, so Max and I got rid of Netflix for a while because they're pedophiles and gross. Uh, but then we wanted to watch some documentaries that they made. I forget specifically which ones. It was, it started with the Abercrombie and Fitch one. Abercrombie and then Fitch. Then it went to the Boeing one. Cooper. D.B. Cooper. Um, so I'll give it to them. They make very good documentaries. So it's pretty much all we watch on Netflix and maybe like Arrested Development, I think is the other one they have. Shit's Greek. Shit's Creek. Okay. So. Oh, Seinfeld. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, we were looking for a new doc to watch, and we saw one called Flint Town. 
Yep. And we also watched Roger and Me not that long ago because I had never seen it before. And it is wild to watch that, like, what, 30 years, 25 years later, however long yep. later. Was, well, so Roger and Me is 1989, and Flint Town was 2018. So it's about 30 years late. It's, it's a little bit 30 years later. And I won't replay for you the entire documentary. Would recommend watching it, not because we agree or disagree with it. It's just one of those docs where it makes you think mm-hmm. and it makes you have a discussion with your significant other about it, or at least that's what it did for us. Uh, yeah. So the, the, the gist of it is there's a lot of crime in Flint, like there are in a lot of towns in America, and they're having a hard time solving it. Yes. And so the community was saying, we need you to fix this. We need you to make our streets safer. They've come out and complained to the chief, to the mayor. They've voted for certain things. So they get a new chief, and he starts taking care of the crime. How do you do that? How do you, how do you prevent a shooting before it happens? You have to arrest people on other charges. He... he they, he, he created this new cat squad, the crime area targeting team. That's literally what it was called. Yeah, and to be more proactive. Yep. And essentially the community got annoyed and was like, they're just harassing us. It's like, well, you can't have it both ways. If you want it cleaned up, this is what you're going to get. There, there, there's a lot of this story that there's the middle, the, the middle, I would say middle three episodes. Um, and we're, we're, we're finishing it up tonight, but this sort of middle three episodes center around or use this liquor store to highlight a problem, this, this, to, to use this one example to highlight a problem in the community, which is these business owners do not live in Flint. The people who own this liquor store do not live in Flint. They live in another community 15, 20 miles away. Um, so they never had to deal with the Flint water crisis. They've never, they don't have to deal with the problems. They're able to leave the problems of Flint when they go home. They've basically allowed their liquor store to their liquor store lock a parking lot to become this 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 den of illegal activity. They sell liquor and cigarettes to people underage. They sell single cigarettes. You know they're engaging. They sell liquor after two a.m. They have this, but they have this agreement with their customers of hey, don't bring it into the store. We'll take your money. Just don't bring it into the store. That seemed to be the agreement. And this place was in the news night after night, shooting, stabbings, assault, this and that. And eventually the cops, this, this crime team was over there constantly. They finally shut the place down. And like Katie said, it was that combined with the traffic stops, the, hey, what's this loitering here? You know, they're getting people for loitering. Why, why are you six people just, just sitting around here? Dude, what are you doing here? What's going on? You know, that kind of stuff. Just breaking up that kind of stuff. And it leads to this to this vote. It kind of, the series leads up to this, this vote on whether the town wants to approve the funding for the police and fire department again, or do they not want to in which case the funding would be cut by some percentage and that's the central theme of it but in reality the the story is about a group of people 
who remember what Flint used to be, what it was great, and wanting to restore the city. And how do you do that when you have a large part of the, the city that's completely apathetic and doesn't care? And they highlight this issue of, you know, we've been waiting for like someone to come and save us. And no one's coming to save them. Like, they, they finally get to the realization that no, n- no, one, no one from the outside is coming to help. A, governor is, a different governor is not going to help us. A different president is not going to help us. We have to do this ourselves. And it's a really fascinating story. And the, the only thing I don't like about it is they try to get into the, they try to make it racial at times. And there's certainly, I mean, the other interesting thing about this is the, the taping is all throughout 2016. So the election is a backdrop during this. The uh, Dallas police murders are a backdrop to this. Philando Castile being murdered in Minneapolis is a backdrop to this. Um, There's, you know, there's... 2016 was a hot summer (laughs) for America. Um, But it's a a very interesting documentary. And the only... And the the thing that I think about is, is, like, two things. Is one... You know, the, 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 the towns like Flint, the cities that like Flint, that um, instead of going down that direction are being revitalized. Right. It, it definitely makes you think, like, how do you solve this problem? How do you help the people who are stuck mm-hmm. in these incredibly crime-ridden areas be safe and also stop the crime and bring in new business so that it becomes a thriving town again. And there are so many things that have to go into that to make it turn around. It takes so much buy-in. It takes so much civic pride. That's a, I think that's a key part that you bring up is caring about your town and your area. And I don't think that's something that people talk about that much. It's always like, it's the police. It's, there's no business here. It's GM left us. It's, Never, like, but do you care? Like, do you care if kids can't walk down your street safely? Do you right. care? Right. Do you, you, you know, do you, do you care? And I just, you know, we, we've, we've, well, I'm, I'm mostly from small town America. You're from big city America. But certainly in, in, I think in both locations, I would say where you grew up and where I grew up, the dynamics were, were almost identical. I would say where, yeah, you grew up in a city, but you also grew up in in the community, right? Upper Richmond, like you, you like. That's a community. Like there, there's a lot of immigrants, a lot of Asian immigrants in the community. They grew up like the, everyone knows each other there. Mm-hmm. You can say that everyone knows each other. The town, the towns that I grew up in, everyone knew each other's business, right? Everyone knew each other's business, and there's. There's a certain part of civic pride that's also involves you wanting to make sure that, you know, and, you know, in terms of like, you don't want to be that guy, you know, you don't want to be that family. You don't want to be the family that has that reputation for something that's negative in the community. And that's, that's part of civic pride. That's part of civic pride. And it's, um, it, it, you know, it's just so interesting to see because it's not as much as sometimes, you know, the, these, I'm sure the documentary filmmakers are, are left wing and they try to make it racial. It's, 
it's really not. It's really people who 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 care versus people who don't. Yeah. <laughs> and I think and I think that that's like one of the most frustrating things about American society if we want to extrapolate Flint to America because when I think about this I'm like I don't know is this foreshadowing America? I mean, America's heyday was amazing from 19 basically 1945 to I don't know, maybe, let's say, let's say Roger and me, let's say 1989, fall the Berlin Wall. America was unstoppable. Then we started outsourcing our manufacturing. You know, the Rust Belt takes a big hit in a lot of our manufacturing communities. Our economy completely changes from manufacturing into technology. That leads to a whole shift. Now we're outsourcing things differently to different parts of the country. You know, the article that we were sent the other day about uh, there's a, a company out there that's specializing in training call center workers to sound American. <laughs> and while on the surface it's a hysterical story, you know, it, it, uh, deep down it highlights something about what these forces that are at play in our country, which is that the times are changing, they're changing rapidly, and... You know, Flint got caught flat-footed. And it can happen anywhere. Not to make it too serious, but there, there are some serious implications to it. And it's why, you know, caring and, and giving a darn is, is so important. And, and, you know, it's not just civic pride, but what, what we always go back to on the show of, like, the family union, of, like, being, being a strong family. Of like this attack on the family has been so detrimental to this country because at the end of the day, having a good, strong family that provides love and support to children and helps them and nourishes them and helps them grow, that's like one of the best things a society could have. That's the best thing a town could have. Yeah. Right? And the more that that happens, the more our little small families are stronger and better. The stronger our country's going to be, the stronger our towns are going to be. You know, and I, that was one of the other things I saw a lot in this. It's like a, like a lot of, I saw a lot of, I saw a lot of kids, not a lot of parents in a lot of places where these cops were. A lot of kids and not a lot of parents. True. So we encourage you, if you have a subscription already, watch it and let us know your thoughts and what it made you think about. All right. Are we going to end this on something interesting slash funny? Something funny. You had something funny. Oh, okay. So I didn't click on it, but when... <laughs> That's a great start. <laughs> Let me sell you on this. Okay, so we were driving back from golf today, and the radio was on, and they were talking about, I don't know, Ukrainians needing iodine pills or something in case a nuclear bomb goes oh, off. Oh, this is hysterical. Oh, yeah, yeah. the nuclear <laughs> plant meltdown in so Ukraine. This is, dude, guys, this is... This so is a, anyway, this is a knee Max slapper. goes, don't look at the news because it's all bad. And I was like, well, I, I need to know what's happening. So I go to the Daily Mail to see what's going on. And it's not mentioned anywhere. But what is mentioned is that there was a woman who tried to get out of, I think, a drunk driving ticket by doing the Irish jig dance, which apparently it didn't work out and they still arrested her. So my question was, what would you do to try to get out of a traffic ticket? So I've been pulled over three times. 
Three times in my life. I've been pulled over. Congratulations. <laughs> the first time I was pulled over because my dad's license was expired and I was driving his car and they thought I was him. And as soon as the police officer got to the car, I handed him a license and registration and he goes, This is not your car. So, whose car is this? And I was like, Well, it's my dad. And he goes, You should go home and tell your dad his license is expired. <laughs> And he sent me on my merry way. Of course. Now, now, now. The, the funny thing about this, is I this is I was I was eighteen. I've got three. I've got three of my buddies in the car. We're teenagers driving through downtown. We're driving through a section of town that we call the Gauntlet, where there's cops everywhere at all times. And I was just like, oh my gosh, they got me. You know, going twenty seven into twenty five, right? It, it, this is a town. You want to talk about profiling? Anyone under the age of nineteen? No small town, small town, New Hampshire. They got profiled age um but anyway so I, I guess i got out of a ticket because my dad was the scoffle on that that one <laughs> the second one i got pulled over uh i was driving home i'm 99 percent sure i was profiled but it was totally cool in this point the cop pulls me over and he goes do you know why i pulled you over always a good start and and i looked at him and um and i just knee jerked into being completely honest and i said well to be honest i'm guessing that i was going 55 and a 45 because the speed limit changes right around here i know the speed limit changes around here some ways because i drive this road nearly every day um i guess i just wasn't paying attention and you got me and i was like so i'm guessing that's what happened and he looked at me and he's like actually um i saw you crossed the line back there and i was just making sure that you were okay and i was like i was like oh yeah i was like yeah i'm just i'm just taking the long way from a, a friend's house uh you know he just he had a small little procedure so we were hanging out at his house and i was driving home all true all 100 percent true and, and the cop just goes back to his car and he just comes back and he's like here you go on your way and the third time i was with you my headlights were out that's right. Um, but you didn't answer I didn't ask for a breakdown of your traffic stops. Well, I'm just saying I was every time, every time I was 100% honest with the police and nothing went wrong. Yep. That's important. I don't think I've actually ever been pulled over, knock on wood. I'm definitely getting pulled over this weekend now. Um, <laughs> but the one encounter that you and your dad like to make fun of me for is... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we lived in Alexandria, Virginia, and it, it's not built... I mean... It, this the, is old town Alexandria. Yeah, the, the town tight, is... Tight streets. Yeah, it's, it's a town from the 1700s, so it's not <laughs> built for cars and traffic. And so there's like a main thoroughway, thoroughfare that goes through there. And so the little side streets, the community apparently banded together to get signs up that say you can't drive through during certain hours because they didn't, I guess, want the streets to be clogged up. So I went to go down one of those streets because I literally lived around the corner. We and, live on one of these. Right. And the, and awesome. a cop pulled me over and was like, you can't drive here. And I was like, I literally live right there. And he like, I forget the whole thing, but he, he let me go. But um, Max and his dad like to make fun of me because they claim that I came off as I pay your salary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I live here. I pay your salary. Let that wasn't go. my point. My I'm point right was there. that I like I live here. That's why I'm just trying to get to my house. Uh, so um, I guess I also went with honesty, or maybe com uh, some might say compassion. Do you know who I am? You <laughs> Do you know who I am? So you know, 
we're going on a road trip next weekend, so hopefully we didn't oh, just jinx ourselves God. for getting pulled over. So if we come up with a funny way to get out of something this next weekend, we'll let you know. Maybe we'll dance the Irish jig. <laughs> yeah, but, but that didn't go well, so we're gonna have to, we have to come up with something else. I guess we'll have to go with honesty. It's always the best policy. All Until right. Tuesday. Bye, y'all. The chant is drill, baby, drill. He had such enormous fun that he called for another elephant to come. It's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. Secretary I say, America, stay out the bushes. Stay out the bushes. Jeff is a mess. <laughs> <laughs>